0: Please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 15. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 15. And it reads For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Good morning. Honored, and it's a blessing to be able to stand up here and to present and take a look at God's Word. We want to certainly draw from the Scriptures. Our our theme passage this month is on forgiveness. That is our focus. And in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 15, we read about that. And I think that's a very compelling Scripture that David just read for us, that if we want God to forgive us, we have got to forgive others. A lot of different thoughts on what it means to forgive, different concepts in regard to forgiveness. And for many of us, forgiveness can be a very hard thing to do, something that we cannot uh, let go of. So we want to look at this this passage this morning, in the context, and what the Bible has to say, and this, of course, coming from Christ. Forgiveness is not rejecting the offender. And so I get the impression sometimes, and I I know I've said this before, some people treat forgiveness as simply rejecting someone, or, or even to the point of, simply forgetting about them. Now, if they mean that in the sense of that I'm going to let God handle it and they're making it a demonstration of forgiveness, I think that's another matter, another thing to, to talk about. But some, they become focused on an individual. This person offends me. I don't like how they do anything. And it stirs up within us. It can stir up resentment and it can stir up anger and hatred. And yet the Scriptures tell us we need to forgive as God forgives and as Christ has forgiven us and through him. So we want to learn from Jesus how to forgive and to do it more. A lot of things that we can pile up, a lot of things that we, we might keep a list of. I don't know if you've ever done that before, but have you ever thought of somebody who has offended you and has done wrong to you, and you ever wrote down a list, they did this, they did this, they did that, and I've known of people have done that. I've done it myself. I've written the list out the best thing I can do is to throw that list away. But when we start thinking about that, I want you to think about what is said here in this scripture and kind of writing down a list and thinking, what if God did that to us? You know, on the day of judgment, it's certainly we're going to be judged according to the books. But to think on the day of judgment, not having the blood of Christ to wash away our sins and to simply have that long list against us, be a very troubling day. So forgiveness is not rejecting the offender. Forgiveness is releasing of offenses and sins, and we constantly see this. Uh, There are three Greek words that are translated in our Bibles for forgiveness. One of them is a fame. and we find this like in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized and to do it for the forgiveness of your sins, for for remission of your sins. That is to release, to let go of those sins. Uh, Another word that we often hear is the word for grace, charis, and then the verb form charisomon is, It's very common in the Bible to, again, forgive sins, to forgive trespasses. Colossians 2 and verse 13, the focus is on the sin and on releasing it. And as we look at this text and we dig into it, we're going to see that we can see that it is the sin. It is the trespass. It's those list of offenses, those things we seem to pile up in our mind. Whenever that person offends us, we go, well, they did this before and they did this and this. And we continue to compile it up. What do we do with that? How does that affect us as Christians? And what is Christ teaching us here? So when we think about forgiveness, I encourage you to think about releasing. Uh, The other Greek word for forgiveness is apoluo, which is sometimes a word that's used for divorce or to release someone. In a more broader term. And that might also include not just releasing the debt, but releasing any kind of contention or resentment toward that individual. So apoluo. But I encourage you to uh, look into that a little bit, little bit further. All right, so this is it. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' disciples, on another occasion, when we look in Luke chapter 6, ask him to teach them how to pray. In the Sermon on the Mount, He gives an example of prayer. And in the prayer toward the end, He says, in that prayer, "...and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil." And then Jesus expands on that. Everything in the prayer for him to comment on and to to speak upon right there, he goes toward forgiveness. And I think this is why, before we read the rest of this, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus teaches, love your enemies. And we hear in the Scripture, and we remember the rich ruler saying to Jesus when he comes across the command to love his neighbor, he says, who is my neighbor? And Jesus gives the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I hear a lot of people today say, who is my enemy? And in Matthew chapter 5, the enemy is someone who persecutes you, who curses you, who speaks against you. Jesus makes that clear in Matthew 5, verses 44. The person who would slander you behind your back, those who would revile you, the ones who would want to try to harm you or abuse you, those are your enemies. So he ask that. Those are the enemies. Those are the ones we're most likely to accumulate debt against or to feel that kind of debt, to make that list out about. So that's the context in Matthew 5. Look here in Matthew 6, again Jesus says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Your forgiveness and your standing before God and when you stand before him on the day of judgment is gonna depend upon whether you are forgiven. Your heavenly Father has forgiven you. And for you to hold it back, and to say that, yes, I see that this person has repented. Yes, I see this person's sin was unintentional. Yes, they've come to me and said that they've repented. I've even seen the fruits of repentance, but I refuse to forgive them, to release them of that debt. The Bible says that's wrong. And we are compromising our own salvation when we do that. We say we won't forgive. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, their offenses to you—that is, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. How many friendships have you ever seen in your life been torn apart, been ripped apart, in conflict, lack of forgiveness, a lack of reconciliation? If we would simply do what Jesus said and we talk to one another. I know sometimes that's very hard when the person has offended you to go to them. And the Bible tells us to do it both ways. If you've been offended, you go to them, Matthew 18. The Bible also says, if you know that you've offended somebody else, Matthew chapter five, Jesus says, you gotta go to them. It's a two-way street. Both individuals are to resolve, to go to one another, to look for forgiveness. I could go different directions right now, but there's one thing that stands out to me here. It's the concept right here is that we look at sins and trespasses against us and the Bible describes it as debt. You think about your own sins. When you think about your sins, do you see them as debt? Debt before God? Debt with consequences? When I think about what Christ has done for us and how he died on the cross and how his blood washes away our sins, Christ paid the debt. He paid the cost. And the currency is clear. When we sin, all that sin, who sin, they bring about death, right? Sin brings death. The consequences, the wages of sin is death. Romans 6 and verse 23. All sin and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3 and verse 23. And so death is a result of our sin. God has created us. He's given us a purpose. He's made us in his image. We are to be holy and to follow Him, and yet if we reject Him and turn from Him and turn from His holy nature and we live in sin, we have that debt. And what we owe when we are dead is we owe our blood. And the Bible says in Leviticus chapter 17, also in Genesis chapter 9, that our blood within us is our lifeblood. And that in Genesis 9, when we sin, we're going to have to give a reckon before God. And that reckoning is a matter of your life and your blood. When you sin, you sin against your own life and there's consequences to it. There is a debt there. And one who has come along to has given us appeasement and atonement is Christ. Leviticus chapter 17, 11 through 14, Moses explains there as God is speaking through him that because of your sins, that there is a consequence and that God has given us sacrifice and he's given us blood and ultimately in Christ, to wash away our sins, to pay that debt. And when we think about Christ and the cross and the forgiveness we've had and the debt that has been paid, how He bore it on the cross, that is what compels us as Christians to forgive others, to have grace. When we drift away from forgiveness, we're drifting away from what Christ has done for us. When We're not looking for reconciliation. We're not looking for the remission of sins. When we think about Jesus, we often think when Jesus came to this world, he came to save. And he did. He came to bring us into a state of forgiveness. There's more to it than that. We're going to look at it. but To think about sin as debt and how we might accumulate that debt and keep a list of those memories and things. And sometimes we'll get to the point where, you know, I kind of forgive it, I overlook it, and then it happens again, well, I overlook it. Maybe I talk to the individual saying you've offended. I I try to reconcile. Maybe they say they repent, but then over time something else happens. And it seems like the ones that we should have already forgiven are still on that list. I think we need to think about that and examine our hearts and see if we're really forgiving. Can we forgive anyone so that God will forgive us of unrepented sins? So some might take this in Matthew chapter 6, and I've heard people say this in verses 14 through 15 and say, I cannot be forgiven unless I forgive others. Therefore, I will forgive people of anything. I'm going to be so tolerant. It doesn't matter how, what kind of lifestyle you want to live or how you offend me. Just anything goes and I will forgive it. And the reason I'm going to do this is so that God will forgive me. The problem is, is when you start forgiving sins that God said, no, these are wrong. You've got to repent from them. And then to turn around and think, well, I forgive others of similar sins. God's got to forgive me. And what they're essentially saying here is, I expect God to forgive me of unrepented sins. And I think there's a depth to this. When you start thinking about this to how some people can twist forgiveness, we'll look at that a little bit further, that God forgives when believers repent from their sins. That's the prominent teaching we have in the Bible, that Christians, that we've got to repent of our sins to be forgiven of them. We do have examples of Christ on the cross saying, Forgive them, they know not what they do. And him recognizing that they are unintentional and that God does that according to his will. It is Christ's prerogative. And I think as Christians, we know sometimes when someone has offended us instead of holding against them, we know that it was unintentional. What they said, they didn't mean anything by it, or maybe they're having a bad day. I think we need to understand that and to approach that and to ask the question, is there a need for repentance? here. This is some scriptures we look at here on the condition for forgiveness upon repentance. Acts 3, 19 to 20. This is what we hear from the apostles from Peter. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Do you need to repent? Yes. I think we need to understand what repentance is. Repentance is a change of your mind and a change of your heart away from sin. Sometimes we simplify things And we make repentance into not changing the heart, but trying to turn around and not make a change within us. The truth is when our heart changes and our mind changes against the sin, we're going to turn from it. I hate it. It's despicable. It's a wicked thing. I want to turn away from it. I'm going to go to the scriptures. I'm going to seek out my Christian family. I have people pray for me that I stay away from that sin and here's the teaching in the Bible again. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins be blotted out. This is how God forgives. And we cannot forgive any differently. He says that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that may he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. And then we read this in Luke 24, and these are the words of Christ about the Great Commission. He says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Sometimes we forget about that. We read Acts 2.38 and say, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. So I need to be baptized. Oh, yes. Yeah, if you haven't been baptized. But you didn't comprehend what the text says. It also says, repent. Repent. Change your heart. Change your mind. This is what we seek from our brothers and sisters in Christ, we take offense from, that they repent. And the Bible says that, and Jesus says, if someone comes to you and says, "After you rebuked them, I repent, and that they have repented, you must forgive them." And so again, Christ says about this. He says, "This is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And that's exactly what we're read in Acts 238. When we understand and we see the way that God forgives, we're going to follow Him and follow His example. There's a dilemma here. With us, when it comes to needing forgiveness and forgiving others, we have a choice. see, either I can repent or I am rejecting God's forgiveness. And we apply that to, to others. And what the Bible says about when others repent, we must forgive them. There needs to be a change of heart, a change of mind and we want to plead with our brethren to do that. We see this, Christ did not die for sinners to reject God's forgiveness, of course not, but for grace to train us to renounce evil and passions. In other words, when you've been forgiven and you've you've received God's forgiveness, this is what compels you to live a godly life. I've been forgiven of that sin, not going back to it. I want to encourage my brothers and sisters to do that, And then we see this, the conclusion, therefore, repent, accept God's forgiving grace, and forgive those who do likewise, who repent. That's what we look for in forgiveness. Even when God forgives, forgiveness does not eliminate consequences. I think this is very important right here. I've been studying and looking at this a lot lately. I think some would say, well, if you forgive someone of their sins, there's no more consequences for it or that we could be forgiven individually by God and there's no more consequences. Let's take a look at that. This is what we see in the Bible. God forgave Israel for not entering the promised land. That's what it says right there in Numbers 14. I forgive them for that. But they had to wander for 40 years. There were consequences. God forgave David for adultery and murder. It says that right there in the text. You can open it up, look at 2 Samuel 12, 9. But his child still died, and there's still turmoil in his house throughout the rest of his life, even to the death of another son, Absalom. There are still consequences. And in the Bible, and we could bring up a number of different scriptures this morning on the New Testament, but while Christians were forgiven and God's forgiven us, the Bible says that God still disciplines us, and He chastises us, and He makes us in who we are to become, and He does it to Help us. And even though those times are not pleasant, it says there in the text, our Heavenly fathers was doing what is best for us as children. So a lot of times we think, well, if that person has forgiven me, then all the consequences are gone. But there are still sometimes consequences to our sin, things that happen. I think we might take that a little bit further and think about in forgiveness to others. One of the other passages I studied this week was 1 Corinthians 5 and then 2 Corinthians 2. First 1 Corinthians 5, you're the man who was living in adultery in the church. He'd taken his father's wife, and the church withdrew fellowship from him. And some might say that is forgiveness. I haven't come to a conclusion on that. But what I see in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 is that Paul urges the church to go to him, to show him that you love him, and to forgive him. And it says that again in the text, that you forgive him after you have withdrawn fellowship. Once he has repented and come back. We need to think about that, these conditions of what the Scriptures have told us about forgiveness. Because Jesus revealed that He came to call sinners to repentance, can we say anything different? I think some today would say, well, I could forgive for anything, and that repentance is not necessary. Repentance is a good thing. That's what we want to work toward, every one of us. I want God to forgive me because I've repented. That's His standard. And my plea to my brothers and sisters is to do the same. When we've offended one another, to say, I repent, I've changed, I'll turn against that, I will avoid doing that again. How much do we forgive? And so the Bible also tells us this, that Christians are to forgive as God has forgiven us. And we hear that in the prayer that Jesus proclaimed. That's how much we forgive. And God forgives us when we repent, and sometimes when we've done sins that are unintentional. You read that in the Old Testament and the New Testament. If your brother repents, the Bible says this, you must forgive him. That's what Christ says. You must forgive them. Maybe you've been at the other end where you've been the one who've offended somebody, and you've gone to him and said, I repent. I'm so sorry what I did. And it's more than just remorse. I'm changing my life. But then a few months later, that individual will bring it up again. And then a few months later, they'll bring it up again. I wonder how we feel about that. You know, as, as the person who's having to repent, man, you, you want that. You desire it. It's in your heart. Please forgive me. You plead for it. You beg for it. And then to think about on the other side for the individual to say, every time that you do anything that might slightly offend them, I remember what you did before. We've got to forgive. As God forgives. I think this is a very compelling passage here. In Matthew chapter 18, you remember Peter asking, how many times must we forgive? Seven times, and Jesus says 70 times seven. He tells the parable of a man who's been forgiven an, of a massive amount of debt, unfathomable amount, and yet he turns around and holds another man accountable for it, and this is what happens in the parable at the conclusion. Jesus says this, Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt. And this is what our Father does for us, our Heavenly Father. He forgives us of all of our sins, every one of them when we repent. It's not like you sit down and say, well, I know they repented of these three things, but I might still hold something else against them. He says here, you wicked servant, I forgave you of all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. And so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. We're really rejecting the forgiveness of God when we don't forgive others. God will hold us accountable on the last day. And furthermore, Jesus exhorts, forgive from the heart. It's got to be deep. This morning, I encourage you as we... Begin to conclude, repent and forgive as God forgives. We want to turn away. We want to be at goodwill toward all of our brethren. We want to love our enemies, those who persecute us, who pursue us, who abuse us, who speak against us, who curse us and slanders. Love them. The Bible says, bless them when they curse you. Pray for them. And we see this as well from the prayer that we've read this morning from Matthew 6. Pray that God forgives you as you forgive those who sin against you. That should be our goal, our challenge this morning. Only Christ, by His blood, has paid the debt of sin. That is the source. Nobody else in the world has any other greater, more powerful source than what Christ did for us. No other faith out there can you find such a source of forgiveness, ultimately, than in Jesus Christ and what He paid with His blood on the cross. And to think in our, that we can withhold Forgiveness from somebody, that's foolish. We're trying to put ourselves above God when we do that. When we look at the blood of Christ and what He's done for us, it compels us, I need to forgive. When we look at what Christ has done, not only did He die, but He rose again from the grave. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians fifteen seventeen that there we are removed from our sins. In other words, we're no longer under our sins and in them. We're not under that debt anymore because Christ has conquered the death That came from our sin. I think my main point this morning, as we conclude, is this. When your faith is in God and in Christ and you know what He's done for you, you want to really share that with others. Not go around and say, well, the Bible says you shouldn't do this and I'm going to hold it against you like you're the law. But rather to come like Christ with grace and mercy. Yes, this is against you. Repent. I want to forgive. And to forgive, we need to. We need to follow the example here in Christ, ultimate example. This morning, we give an exhortation. I urge anybody here this morning that needs the forgiveness of sins to obey the gospel and do what the Scriptures say. God no longer overlooks ignorance, it says in Acts 17 and verse 30. But now He calls all people to repentance. And Peter preached this in the end of his sermon at Pentecost. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This morning, you need God's forgiveness, you can have it. You need prayers and facing and forgiving others, we want to pray with you. Whatever you're facing and struggling with, maybe it's another brother and sister who's not forgiving you. Let us pray with you and encourage you. encourage you to come right now while we stand and while we sing. Please come.